From NFL player to financial planner, podcaster, author, and trainer, Jed Collins empowers young people to understand, strategize, and be efficient with money. He shares the secret to his success and how he didn't give up. Stay tuned to his inspiring journey. Welcome to the Power of Investing in People podcast. And today, my guest is the amazing Jed Collins. Welcome to the show, Jed. I always am a little hesitant to enter after that introduction, but I, I love it. I love uh, the the origin of what you know, you're know you chasing and who you're out to help. And true, investing in people is my passion today. So it seems fitting to, to be on, and I hope to add some value to your community. Oh, I know you will. And uh, Jed and I met... Well, actually, we met through a, a mutual friend, uh, Scott Ferguson. Yes, we did. Yes. Yeah. So thank you, He's, Scott, for connecting us. Absolutely. He's And you talk about powerful connectors, powerful people out helping people. He's, he's up there. That's fun. Absolutely. And for those of you who don't know, Jed Collins is a CFP and former NFL player. Amazon bestseller, podcaster, and adjunct professor at Washington State University. He had been cut 12 times from the number one fullback in the NFL. And he took many principles and behaviors away from the game of football to who also faced with the reality of how unprepared he was for the financial opportunity of professional sports. And because of that, he decided to study for his certification of financial planning and that is what he's been doing after the NFL and all the other things like books and podcasts and all the good stuff. And he has a book called The Money Vehicle and he has a workshop called The Money Vehicle and courses. So I can't wait to dive in and talk more about all of it. And so, uh, Jed, I always start with the first question of what does investing in people mean to you? Investing in people to me um is their ability to prioritize. And this is what, you know, makes a a great salesperson and makes a great teacher, uh, makes a great parent is one's ability to continually put the other in front of themselves and say, when we walk away from this interaction, I want to make sure you more than I have gained and earned value. And so that's, what's been so neat is, you know, in my football days, playing a position, being a part of a team, you always had to invest in the team before me. As as an educator now, as a teacher, I truly look at it and and stop and say, lecturing is a a day-old process. We we can't communicate lecturing anymore. We facilitate a conversation. And that puts the student or the listener above my own lesson or really even my own pride. Um, and so investing in people to me is, is something that you choose to do on a daily basis. And I, I love connecting people with people who do that because they are oftentimes chasing a passion to help. Wonderful, wonderful answer. And I love that you said facilitating a conversation. That's what I, that's what as podcasters, I think we do every day, right? Is just facilitate that conversation for our listeners to gain some sort of nugget that's going to inspire them, empower them to move forward. So I love that you said that. 
We remember, you know, the first intention, you know, the first time we were introduced to podcasting and to all these things, because you'd always heard the radio, uh, but now it was going to be a, a topic of your choice, uh, a person of your choice, and really just be let in on that conversation. I, I'm going to sit and absorb what they're talking about and talking to. Um, and it, it really was an interesting dynamic shift as we went to the virtual presence of the last year in saying, I don't care if you're Bill Gates delivering the greatest talk in the world. After about 40 minutes, everybody's getting tired and kind of done with it. So you have to engage and you have to, even if it's in their own heads, create a, a continuing conversation of growth, of curiosity. Um, and so you're absolutely right. I I don't think we can be... Uh, an interesting speaker or have a message be received anymore if I'm talking for longer than five minutes at a time, because I know people are just not listening anymore. So, so, so true. In fact, I just was on this message board about podcasts and somebody got a review on their podcast saying something about why is your all your episodes too long? It only needs to be 30 <laughs> minutes, right? And the person responded with, Joe Rogan, who has, you know, thir- two and a half hours sometimes. And it's really about just being curious. So I love that you said that because that's how I think I've grown up and why I started a podcast was because I have a natural curiosity of what what's next or what, yeah. tell me more about that. Or, you know, let, yeah. let, let's dive into that. So I love that. What, what started you into the podcast world? Again, I, I, I will echo what you just commented on about curiosity. Um, I think that is a skill that is really being lost in our, our students today, mm-hmm. the ability to ask questions, to, to host a conversation, and to take pride in the fact that even I, as a podcaster or a person, a speaker, I love when I'm not talking in conversation. And people will you know, question that, but that curiosity, if I go into a meeting, it used to be a coffee or a lunch. Now it's just one of these. Um, I always have five or six kind of loaded questions to be able to continue diving into, you know, obviously having done some research on the person and their passions. Um, I, my journey began asking those of myself. I'm a journaler. My dad, you know, I love my mom and my dad. My mom taught me love. My dad taught me discipline. Um, But the greatest gift my father ever gave me was a journal. And it was Mm -hmm. when I was in high school and I'm one of five. Mm -hmm. Um, He gave them to all of us. uh, And I'm the only one that took it up and the only one that kept with it. And it is an amazing skill. It is an amazing gift because I get to time travel. I get to meet 20-year-old Jed. I get to meet 25-year-old Jed in the NFL. My girls will meet, you know, Mm -hmm. daddy in those phases. But it's also very self-reflective and it begs those questions of, you know, who was I talking to? Where was I at this moment? What did I learn? What did I gain? What did I change? Um, and you just continue to have that conversation with yourself that then you can take it to uh, a third party um, or somebody else and be able to ask a very similar line of questioning. Mm, I love that. And I love you brought up journaling. I mean, we had a journal from like, uh, I think it was like middle school to high, all through high school. And I hated it. I was always like, uh, I am not a writer. Yuck. My arm would cramp, you know, all of that. <laughs> 
And now I've been journaling for 20 some years and it is exactly what you said. It is, you get a chance to meet the old, you know, you, the old you, right. Your old version of yourself. And then the best part is able to look back, you know, several years from now, or even, you know, just a few months ago to see where you were, what your concerns were. And especially I feel like in the year of 2020, everything's just happened so fast that things that you were concerned about one month, two months later, you were like, had processed it, gone through it, got over it and was already onto the next thing. And you're like, Oh my gosh, I forgot that was even an obstacle. So, you know, journaling is a great way to be able to look back at that. And like you just said, I forgot that that was even an obstacle. And that's so much of our journeys, especially, you know, I, as a young entrepreneur, uh, new business, I, I would have some friends, you know, five, 10 years ago while I was still playing football, uh, starting businesses and companies. And I'm like, man, are you guys writing just everything down? Because when you are on the cover of Forbes, like people are going to want to remember those hurdles and those obstacles mm-hmm. and how close, you know, uh, shoe dog, how close he was to this never being a thing. And now it's a global sensation. Right. Uh, we, we forget the details and, you know, from a personal journey perspective, like I, I wrote out very vividly about my honeymoon. Like I, and I get to look at my wife and like, be like, do you remember day four? Like when uh, those people said that thing, like do you, and you just, you get to cherish it. So I, 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 we forget more than we will ever remember. And journaling is a way to track that. And like you said, this last year, I remember March 11th, the world shutting down. Why? Because my journal entry that day, and I don't do it every day, but was COVID is real. <laughs> We're all going home. And to see an entry three days earlier saying, oh, you know, I think this is kind of one of these little things. And then a month, now a year later, and yeah. you just really, the biggest piece was March 11th, 2020, I wrote down goals in my journal. That now I get to go back, look at and say, check, check, circle, got to come still do that one. Mm-hmm. But it, it, that is the beauty of, of tracking progress and, and seeing yourself in that lens. Mm, so true. So I'm, I'm so to say, so I'm now I'm curious. Uh, did you uh, did you journal while you were in the NFL or playing football at all? So one of probably my biggest uh jokes amongst teams was yeah I journaled all through my NFL my, mm. I had my personal journal at home and then we would get like uh, notebooks for mm-hmm. our playbooks and things like that mm-hmm. and I would actually be in meetings and just start writing to myself sometimes to stay awake you know <laughs> special teams uh, for football fans I was on all four cores special teams you can only tell me how to run down on kickoff so many times that it's a straight line and so, yeah, I have tremendous stories in journals. I hope one day I get to put them out to the public. I yeah. share some in, in kind of the, the stories that I took, you know, the most in-depth away from. But I have probably about 300 pages on a Microsoft Word document, and I haven't even got to New Orleans, which was my longest stint in the success of my career. And so, yes, I journaled all through my NFL uh, as you mentioned in the intro, I got cut 12 times. I journaled after every single time I got my you know, heart ripped out, but then also the good time. So that's the beauty of it. So to, t- to mention that being cut 12 times, what 
was the driving force of you to go back, you know, after the like fourth time, most people are like, Oh, third time's a charm. And then here we are the fourth time, but to continue to continue to continue over and over and over again, (laughs) you kept going back. So what was that driving force for you? Spite. No, Mm. uh, (laughs) there there was definitely a large degree of wanting to prove people wrong, starting from the, the coaches who had cut me, the teams who had, who had sent me away, my father, from before I even entered it, was said, hey, go get a real job. You know, mm-hmm. this football thing. And he was an athlete. He was a basketball player. We were an athletic family. He loved sports, but it was always a vehicle for a better education. So he said, don't go to the NFL, go to law school. And so the driving factor to me was self-belief. I had confidence I could do it. Um, and just that tenacity, that resilience of saying, each time I quote unquote failed, which I see failure today as a gift after 12 times in the NFL, after being an entrepreneur, after just experiencing life, failure is a blessing. It, it gives you clarity on what you should and should not be doing. When I would leave locker rooms, that was one of the biggest journal entries was, why was I not still there? What were the guys in that room doing that I wasn't doing. And that's how I started to steal some of those behaviors Mm -hmm. and principles and concepts. Um, So clarity really comes from, from failing in some degree and it builds confidence. I I feared it a lot less. I fear failure less today because I realize it's not going to destroy me. It's not Mm -hmm. failing. is not the end of the journey. Failing most times is the beginning of your success story and you're one step closer now to that. Um, so the driving factor to me was definitely externally proving some people wrong internally, believing I can and wanting to prove that I could do it. But at the end of the day, it was really, you know, I got to live in a dream world, chase a a childhood game. And I did have my two older brothers continually tell me, Hey, one's a lawyer, one's an engineer. The real world will be here. You keep, if you get a phone call, keep chasing. Oh, I love that. I love that you had support. And speaking of your 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 support system, did you, um, if I remember correctly, and so forgive me if I'm wrong, weren't you going to college while you were in the NFL as well? So yes, I was uh, kind of thrown through a loophole, which has landed me where I am today. My my rookie year, I was an accounting major in college, um, business degree. And yet my first paycheck came and went like most people's does. And it, it scared me. Now, I, I did buy an engagement ring with that first paycheck. My wife and I are happily married 12 years. But that shook, shook me and shocked me into realizing I had no idea what to do with money. And so I went on a, a personal journey down, you know, Borders bookstores, personal finance aisle, getting all the gurus. I found a mentor and was pinging him with a thousand questions. And finally, he challenged me and said, hey, I could feed you fish all day long, but this, this world, if you really want to understand it, you got to teach yourself how to fish. Mm-hmm. And he challenged me to start studying for that CFP. And each off season, starting after my second year, I would sit and take one of the prerequisites for the CFP. By the time I was done with my seven years, I got to sit for the certification exam and kind of transition right into wealth management and this this industry that I was curious about and passionate about. Um, and then really getting, you know, a few years under my belt to see, I didn't want to help people at the end of their journey. I really wanted to help people at the beginning of their journey. I love that. 
I love that. I love that you you took you found an obstacle, right? And you learned from it and you said, yeah. Okay, what else can I do and to really help others learn from you know, not even have to make that choice, right? I won't even call it a mistake because it's an experience. To me, I think yes. uh, failure is all a learning experience is all it is, right? And one of the things I also love that you did is that after every time you left the locker room, you said, okay, what is it the other guys have that I don't? And my first question when I sat down to journal in my adult life was, what is it that I don't know that I need to know in order to move forward? What, wow. whatever forward looked like. Yeah. And, 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 you know, you've been right. Never since. <laughs> yeah. Because I think as, as human beings, we're so um, conditioned uh, like our muscles, right? We're con- our brain is conditioned to focus on our strengths. And yet they're in the, you know, the Venn diagram, there's so much outside of what we even realize what our strengths are or even know what our weaknesses are or even know period. What if there's things out here we don't even realize we do because nobody's brought it to our attention. So it was more about just being able to use the journal as a deep reflection of, okay, so how can I learn how to do something and do it in a way that I learn from it where it doesn't matter if I do it right. It doesn't matter if I do it perfect. It doesn't matter if I quote unquote fail or succeed at it, but I learned something about me in the process. And I think so many people aren't doing that. They're not, they're not thinking about learning something in the process about themselves. No. And I, I, I think this idea of self-help has, has gotten such a, a, a negative stigma to it. Um, to the point where, you know, people are not reaching out and getting help, you know, obviously suicides and things like that have gone multiplied Mm -hmm. since the the virus has started. But this idea of just that internal, again, that word curiosity of how can I continue to develop? If I am not better today than I was yesterday, that's a mistake. If I don't look back at my journals and chuckle at who I was three to 15 years ago, I have not grown into the, the man or the woman or the person that I, I've you know dreamed of. And I think you're absolutely right. I think we need to ask ourselves those, those tough questions. Focus. And I, everyone, is so instinctually leans towards our successes, leans towards our attributes and our character traits that we're proud of. And very rarely do we sit and ponder, you know, the 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 other side of the coin, um, and that that really led me to a passion. And somebody told me, "Mad, sad, glad Venn diagram: something that makes you you mad about yourself not knowing, something that makes you sad about the the kind of world and society around us that has an issue, and it would make you glad to help them." Mm. And in this personal finance journey, because it began at home with myself, and then I really dove into seeing the depths of the issues and now take glad and pride in helping, That those are those questions. That's how you f- discover a passion. Passion is, is anger and love combined. Um, it can't just be all, you know, roses and gumdrops. There has to be some issue. There has to be some, some tough to it. Um, so, so I, I love how you find yours and how you challenge yourself. I'm very similar in that category. 
Thank you. And I, this is why we're friends, right? This is why we're connected. Cause we we're we're on this journey to uh, in parallel really is what it is. Um, something you just said that uh, was like an aha moment for me and I can't remember it. So anywho, <laughs> moving on. Um, so tell us about your journey in writing your money vehicle. So you were already used to journaling, was this just an extension of, well, maybe I should write a book? Did somebody suggest you should write a book? You know, h- how was your process? So that was uh, a really fun to some degree. I took the bus to and from work uh, for a few years. And as I was doing it, as I, as I launched out in wealth management, you know, I had that career path of, in front of me. Be, a, be an advisor, go get a grip of families, service them, and, you know, the money comes in and you, you see the path in front of you and you continue to stay on it. And even as I was doing that and kind of beginning my career, I was going out and doing one-off high school workshop, college workshop, companies, workshops, teaching the fundamentals of money. And as I would be out there teaching, I didn't want to be just the next person reading a definition off of a screen. And so because of my journaling, because I'm also kind of a little goofy and, and a, I, I would say a creative thinker that, you know, something I did not realize until probably 30 years old is I'm a creative. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought, you know, because I did it in the darkness of my you know corner of my room, I thought everybody journaled. I thought everybody had this, you know, internal monologue and voice. Um, and so as I was busting to and from, I'd start to ask myself, all right, you know, cash management, like, how can we make this simpler? How can we make it more understandable? How can we make it you more usable? How can we look at stocks and bonds and, and translate it to the common day person? What's an analogy? What's a story I could tell that would make people say, all right, that might have been a little bit of stretch. That was kind of goofy or weird or whatever, but it made sense. Now I understand the the topic you're trying to get me to understand. And now when you translate it to money, it doesn't seem like such a foreign language. And so sitting on the bus, um, I would you know chuckle to myself, how can I write little analogies, little stories to make my presentations better? Mm-hmm. And as I started to build up this kind of bank of you know stories that I was telling, I started to see it formulate into, wow, this is okay. I have more than one workshop. I have two workshops. I have four workshops. Wow. All right, snap. I got 10 workshops now full of content, full of stories, full of you know engagement. And then I started down the path of, well, what else is out there? You know, there are a ton of investing books, but as a CFP, what other book is there out there to start somebody on a lot of different subjects in their financial journey? And the reality is, is there's very few people love pointing to rich dad, poor dad. Mm -hmm. It's a great introduction. It is a singular mindset shift that can change your world, but it doesn't give you the planning steps. Um, And so I really sought out and I said, if I was 15 to 25 years old, could I create a step-by-step manual that says you're now sitting in the driver's seat of, of a vehicle? Here's where here's what you need to be able to do. You know, you need to be able to know what the steering wheel is. You need the gas, you need the brakes, you need to put gas in it, you need to secure the car, you need to have a GPS system. All of these little silly stories, 
Um, and it just continued to formulate into a, all right, maybe I have something. And maybe as we bounce it off of people, it got better and better. And we ended with a really, really neat, one of the first of its kind type of workbooks, books, because I wanted to make it engaging. I didn't want you just to be educated. I wanted you to be empowered in finishing this book and now finishing the virtual course, which I'm the most proud of, you will have begun your financial journey. And that is empowerment. That is our mission. Mm, I love that. What you did was you went through your own experiences, said, how can I make this to where it reaches the masses in a way that that wasn't your that wasn't even your, um, you know, your goal in the beginning, right? It was just, how can I get this content into a more relatable way? Mm -hmm. I love that. I love that. I love that. I love that. And, you know, you have such a, a wonderful way of telling stories that I can only imagine how your, your workshops, more people were like, I want in, I want to be part of that. This is and, fun. And then you make it enjoyable and not like, oh, I got to learn about taxes and investments. Oh, that's, you know, that's not fun. But I can only so, imagine how amazing you are as a teacher. So I will say, and I got some feedback this morning um, from a group that signed up to, so our virtual course, I love standing in front of a room. I know that's going to be limited for a while um, and has been for a while. I love the book. I think books are excellent. But I know the target I'm trying to reach aren't all book readers. Maybe the top 10 or 15% are. I know I can't stand in front of them. And so we adapted to the video, standing in front of a green screen. And as you talk about engaging and entertaining, I will say we got to go up a couple degrees standing in front of a green screen and having young talent, a, a gentleman who helped me edit the video, say, well, what if I put you in a space, you know, or a, a a space station or what if we uh, went to here and, you know, really building in, I had a, you talk about taxes or boarding. I have a whole analogy around going to an ice cream parlor. Well, what if I could put you in an ice cream parlor? Mm. Well, now we're having fun. And so all of our students now are ending and I definitely get from some of the college age and even high school. And it's humbling when a 17 year old goes, yeah, that was kind of corny, but you made me laugh and you made me want to see the next one. And I tell people all the time, parents email me and say, let me, let me tell you what my, my son or daughter just asked me at dinner. As long as we're starting the conversation, I have no problem being a little bit silly. And corny, silly, goofy, you made me smile and you made me want to click on the next video. That's the best feedback I could ever ask for. Well, and you know, I think it, it's just a testament of who you are because it's not about your ego or looking uh, quote unquote right or perfect, right? You're just wanting it to be engaging enough for them to want to learn more. And that's what really cheesy and corny is all about. It's it's just about having fun. You're going to have fun. So you know, whoever's going to watch is going to have fun. And they're going to be- I had a ball. And, and they're going to remember it. Because, you know, think about it. When's the last time you remembered something from a teacher that was boring? That was, you, yeah. Right? You don't. So you, rem- you're, you remember things that are, are cheesy. I, and you hit the nail on the head. And I, so again, last week I had a student email me and, and let in with, you're going to think this is hilarious, but in the course, uh, 
one of my sister's favorite movies growing up was The Sound of Music, and she begins ABC Do Re Mi. And so our investing begins with Do Re Mi. Do follow the golden rule, return is risk, me in motions. And, and so they emailed me and said, first off, I laughed hysterically when you started because I start singing in the, oh, in the I video. love it. And they said, but I remember Do Re Mi vividly. And I was talking to a friend last week about an investment they were making in their emotions. And I referenced Do Re Mi. And I was like, that's, you're right. People remember you they remember unique and so for so long money has been a, a a foreign language of the wealthy and as you said it's about time the masses understood not just gambled with and i love the new interest of young people the robin hooders the the game that we're playing but to not just gamble with it but to truly understand how money works and how to make money go to work for you is a language we can all start to speak. And, and if it takes some silly analogies, then so be it. Well, one of the things that I didn't read in your bio, but I know that you talk about is um, how to use money and it's an acronym. So mm-hmm. did, would you explain that to us? I would gladly. So our, uh, again, from Think and Grow Rich, one of our, my biggest is motions with this is what is our mission? And our mission with Money Vehicles is to empower students, young professionals to use money. When we say use, it means understand their money, S, strategize their money, and E, be efficient with their money. And we believe if you take the actions in the Money Vehicle course, you will be using money, making money go to work for you, seeing money as a verb, not so much as a noun or the objective. And with the actions laid out, ending with a Roth account, to open a Roth account as a young professional, you have to use money. You have to understand what the Roth account is. You have to understand the strategy behind it and why it is going to be efficient for you as a young professional. So we really love to push that that acronym of use money because, again, education, financial literacy in the past has failed, according to some, because it is just education. We are after empowerment and empowering you means you are using money to your advantage. Mm, So beautiful, beautifully said. And, you know, it it reminds me of how many times I've seen the, uh, the conversation about what is something that you wish you had learned in high school that you wish you had a, you know, a class in. And one of them is budgeting your finances and, you know, being better with your finances And I'm just sitting here thinking like, so what, how can, you know, first of all, if schools aren't offering this, um, how can people connect? How can they get in on your, your course? What can they do to, to, to be a, to be a student of your course? Well, that is the best question. Um, And one, I could not be more humbled and proud to answer. You can go to yourmoneyvehicle.com and check out the course on your own. But where we're really growing and scaling today is we license the course. For 30 years, people have been saying, why don't they teach this in school? Why, why didn't I learn this growing up? And now we have a 12-week built out fully turnkey curriculum that schools, high schools and colleges are utilizing because there's not really anything that is online, on-demand certification course around money. This is not to become a financial advisor. This is not to make you uber wealthy. 
This is the foundations in the first 10 steps in personal finances. And so what we're able to do is say, hey, we want to charge the minimal amount possible and get it on as many campuses. Uh, So if you know a group of high school or college students, an athletic team, a department, uh, we work with tons of CTE and DECA instructors across the country. Those are who we're trying to reach. And really, our conversations usually end up with, oh, wow, I didn't know this was out there. I would love to use this because we want to empower that math business math teacher to say, I, I, you shouldn't be a master of money. This is not your chosen profession. Here are some resources from a CFP using a story to teach your students how this concept works. And then the teacher gets to do what they do best, which is interact, engage, and facilitate with the actual students. Um, so yes, I would welcome and love anybody who has a connection to a local high school um, that will, would like to see a financial literacy course start to be provided there. Mm, thank you. And and yeah, if our listeners are, you know, thinking, oh gosh, I wish my kid had this and, you know, reach out, reach out to Jed Please. and we, yeah, we'll, we'll be asking that question a little bit about, you know, how to find him. Um, but I know that you're the, not just high school, I'm thinking of even church groups, you know, even middle schoolers really getting in, in young to start thinking about money, because I think as We've evolved, right? We may have had uh, in our younger years jobs. And I think this generation now, the millennials, they don't really have a whole lot of options or even the need to go get jobs because the the pressure of school, especially with online right now, is so completely overwhelming that they don't have that need to go get a job. So they're not even earning money to understand what money even a vehicle is. In a time when their financial future is more on them than ever before, as we've seen pensions and social security plans become extinct, you're absolutely right. There, there's the 18, 15, 18, 25 year old who's never really had a true income. There's also the 13, 15 year old who has two incomes right now and is starting to invest that I'm like, you young lady or somebody I want to talk to, um, But it is truly a moment where our world has been humbled to how vital this information is. The people who have been able to withstand the last couple months are the ones who had a plan in place. The ones living paycheck to paycheck, which is still the vast majority of our society, have fallen deeper and deeper into that hole. Mm -hmm. And as we look at coming out of this, we're going to have to address how do we close that gap? How do we encourage the bottom half, or even the bottom two thirds to really start to take control of this aspect of their lives. And it's going to be through resources, if not money vehicle, one very similar to it that has to hit them, as you said, at a young age, but more importantly, has to engage them and get them to feel like they have a chance that these are the right ways, even though it's not overnight. If I head down this road, it will take me to a better place. Hmm. So I just want to switch gears for a minute and say how I love how passionate you are about this. And a lot of our listeners are, you know, maybe they're in a job and they don't know what's next, but they're, they're okay with the job, but they know that something's missing. So do you have any advice that you would tell them to really find their passion, to really find what their purpose is and, and how to like propel them forward into that? 
It's a, a summation of, of topics we've discussed. I, I would ask, begin with why. Why, why are you unfulfilled? What are you looking for that is not there? And realize you're not the only one. And this is something I, I say in my workshops every single time. There, there are no dumb questions because if you're thinking it, somebody else is as well. So go ahead and do that research within yourself and say, what, is, what an issue am I facing? If I am facing this, I got to believe there are others out there dealing with this. And then if I could help them, if I could help solve that problem, that is something that, again, mad, sad, glad. That was something that would land me in a happy area. So oftentimes finding a passion is no bigger or or more in-depth than identifying an issue, a problem, whether it's something in your job, whether it's something in your hobby, whether it's something in your family. Start with some aspect of our society that you think could be better or is broken and ask yourself, what skill do you have to begin to address it? And if you say, well, I don't have any skills, you need to sit and really look at the world because for the first time in our history, uh, 18-year-old and a 48-year-old have been put on a level playing field. Nobody has skills for this new world. We are all gaining them on a daily basis. So looking at that, what could you be doing to better yourself for this new normal, this new now? Um, and I, I really think people are going to come out of this having that balance of, you know, this global pandemic showed me money is not the important thing. I don't want people to th- see what my mission is, is, oh, this guy really wants people to focus on money. I want people to make money a resource and a tool so they can enjoy and take pride in what they really want to do. That is something that a lot of people will find passions in coming out of this is what did we really enjoy and how do I continue to manifest that in my future? That's a path I want to start going down. But ultimately, and you know this better than better than I and most, a passion is not going to be for riches. A passion is going to be something that wakes you up. I was in the snow this weekend with some neighbors and I kind of was off to myself for a minute or two. And they were like, what, what were you just thinking about? I said, oh, I got to figure out how to automate the grading on my quizzes a little bit better. And they're like, that's where you just were in the middle of the snow. I said, I, I wanted to leave. It just is, it's, it bounces in there at times. Uh, so I, I would say continually try to find uh, an issue that you deal with or that you see others deal with and just begin to solve it piece by piece. And people say, I don't know how you create content on a daily basis. It's because I have one thought that I can break down into a hundred little pieces that build together. And that's, that's just the same as finding a passion. Well, and truthfully, I think it's it's also practice, right? You've practiced journaling for so many years, so you've practiced creating content. You weren't knowing that that was what you were doing when you were journaling, but that's that was one of the uh, you know the gifts of journaling is that you were literally creating content. And then that's what people today are like. How do you do this? I'm like, I've been doing this for 30 years. You guys right. are just let in on the secret. Like, if I really wanted to, I could produce five pieces of content every day, just go back into the 28 journals I have. Mm -hmm, Exactly. Uh, And it is a skill. You start itching it and it it just continues to grow. It's fun. Well, it is obvious that you are passionate about what you do. And I, and, and I am so glad to be connected to watch from the side, to see you, to, to see you be able to, to do it. So I'm just curious. There we go with that word again, curious. Uh, I'm curious of what, and what you would like to be remembered for, what would be your legacy? 
It's a great question. Um, from my daughter's eyes, uh, is a much different story, much different answer. From the, the professional side, we are on a mission to open a million Roth accounts. And I believe we can make an impact in communities, in societies. I get to work with NFL players and teams, and I say, hey, guys, I love this idea of athletes becoming, you know, social ad- activists, really using their platform. One of the biggest things is we have to get our, our wallets in order. We have to be able to use these to really make that lasting change. And if we can start to, and we've begun tracking a million Roth accounts and young professionals, young people saying, this is something that I want to you know, begin on the path to freedom. I know this is a valuable and an efficient way to use money and take a first step. That is going to be a legacy that I don't want it to be Jed Collins. I want it to be money vehicle because we already have tons of ambassadors, students who have gone through and become certified writing for the newsletter, speaking about it, jumping into workshops, all kinds of things to where this is a movement beginning and that movement is going to the masses. Mm, I love that. And so where can people find out more about this movement? Where can they buy your book? Where can they connect with you for your podcast? Or maybe they just have a question. Where can they reach you? I welcome questions, love questions. They are great content creators, as you (laughs) know very well. Um, so the course is at yourmoneyvehicle.com. You can follow me on LinkedIn. I'm on TikTok, Instagram at Fullback of Finance. That's uh, my little personal brand, Fullback of Finance, connecting my two worlds. Um, and truly welcome connections, welcome ideas. What you mentioned about uh, uh, Bible studies and groups of high schoolers, I haven't even ventured down that path. But that's what's so neat is in the last month, I've got to engage with three different nonprofits who work with high school students. That was not an avenue, and I get to charge them even less um, because that's not the business. I I don't want to make money off of them. I want them to have the course. I want them to have this content that I know is necessary. So reach out, jedediahperiodcollins at gmail.com. Come straight to me. And really, if you want to join the movement, we have a newsletter, we have young people, and we would welcome, uh, you know, the voices to continue to grow. Mm, Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule. And um, it's just been an honor and a pleasure to, to, to hang out with you again. And I always like to leave with this question of what is a phrase, scripture, or mantra that you are living by right now? Well, I got two. So talking about investing in people and how do you stay curious in people? Ralph Waldo Emerson said each, and I'm going to update it because Ralph, we're in 2021. Each person, he said each man, each person is better than me in some way. From that, I will learn from them. Mm. And having a sister with special needs, Mm. it brings on a whole different context. And I really think if you can approach whoever you're about to sit down and talk to with that thought in mind, you can remain curious and you can really see this person is better than me somehow. Let's find it. Um, and then this idea that I got to steal from an NFL player, a 15 year veteran about inches. And he said, each day I come in and I steal just a little subtle inch on 
our competition, which in the offseason is one another because at 15 years, he had to beat out a lot of rookies to stay around. Mm. But he really he drove home. An inch leads to a yard, a yard to a first down, a first down to a touchdown, a touchdown gets you to wins. And he said, I come in every day wanting to go to the Super Bowl. We can't get there without our wins. Yeah. And I really take that inch concept. You can translate it directly to money and compound interest and the aggregation of just little small victories. Um, but that inch mindset for me right now as an entrepreneur is where am I going to get that inch today? Where am I going to steal it? Where am I going to earn it? How do I take that edge and really approach and see the day as a success and as a win? So those two really weigh heavy on me, you know, in my day to day. I love that. And you know, I, I just think of what an inspiration and an empowerment vehicle that you are um, to everyone that you touch who watches your TikTok videos and your LinkedIn. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for all the work that you do. I could not be more honored to share the stage with you. And I know this is uh, just the next of our many collaborations. Thank you. Don't turn this off just yet. Does the thought of collaborating and connecting with a diverse group of creative thought leaders appeal to you? Do you have a compelling story and don't know where to start? Have you ever thought about writing a book and thought about writing the whole book is overwhelming? Well, we are looking for you. We want to connect and collaborate with other podcasters, coaches, and entrepreneurs who want to gain exposure. We are looking for other people who want to co-author a book with us. You can find out more details at firestartersbookproject.com.